crypto for 12 hours in the darkness. And then all of a sudden, 24 hours hits. And now, now it's like I'm at mile, you know, like 70s or 80s, something like that. And now, like, and now the light starts to come up and I turn my head headlamp off and it gives you this great energy. But also your visual, just your visual reality changes to a point where you're super tired. Um, you're used to the tunnel of light, and now it's just like this this little bit of ambient light comes up. And that's when I started having not, yeah, I guess kind of hallucinations. Welcome to the More Than Medicine podcast with your host, Jordan Stoffer, and me, Alex Shen. We are providing a platform for healthcare workers to share their journey into the field of medicine. Our mission is to inspire current and future healthcare workers through similar narratives. Committed to providing a positive voice for those who are working long hours in the hospital, studying with their head down in the library, or even those who have completed a long career in medicine. Whether you're taking a long road trip, working out in the gym, or taking a study break, we're so glad that you've taken some time out of your day to join us here today. Hope you like that little clip of Matt's experience when running an ultra marathon. Today, I get to fully interview Dr. Matt Henry. Things to expect during our interview. He talks about some hard lessons that he learned during his residency program and how he switched from one program to another. Very relatable how he talks through his struggles and what made him stronger through that time. Additionally, you're going to hear about an amazing athlete who has a resilient mind. Matt talks about his experience into running and how he is completing ultra marathons and marathons like they're no one's business. So without further ado, I'm not going to spoil everything before the interview gets rolling. I'll just let you hear it from the man himself. Dr. Matt Henry, welcome. All righty. Got Dr. Matt Henry on the podcast today. How you doing? How's it good? How you doing? How are things Dude, going? Things yeah. are going well. You know, we were we were just talking a little bit before this, uh, just catching up with everything. And there was like six things that we we needed to exchange <laughs> to each other to be like, hey, hey, what's what are you doing? Oh, congrats. Hey, what are you doing? Oh, congrats. Man. Great job. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, we'll we'll get into uh kind of life's journeys and sure. your journey um into the field of medicine and kind of what you have uh have done uh since entering it. So um Absolutely. You know, let's first, before we learn about your story, let's learn a little bit about you. So where, where'd you grow up? So I grew up in uh, Western Michigan in the suburbs of Grand Rapids, Michigan. So oh, nice. that's kind of bo born and raised there. Um, yeah, it was, uh, so my family, actually my family's all still back there. Um, yeah, I have like two, I have older brother, two older sisters, uh, grew up in like a very like middle-class family. Dad was like union factory worker. Mom was like stay-at-home mom, very like bread and butter, like salt to the earth, like like blue-collar middle-class family kind of kind of upbringing, which was kind of fun, you know. Growing up in um, and grew like kind of a kid of the like the '90s into the 2000s kind of situation, so I kind of grew up like 
like when I was in like when I was in grade school and in high school, it's like no one had a cell phone yet. But it's like freshman year of college, everyone gets cell phones. It was just funny, like going from high school to college was like that's when the tech happened. That's when like people are like downloading Napster and starting to steal music and all the all the fun stuff you can't do anymore. <laughs> so, now, now you got to pay the uh the spotify price in order to yeah yeah exactly you got to pay the it. monthly which is say still cheaper than going to buy cds right oh yeah it's a steal it's a steal <laughs> it, you said you said you had a couple of siblings yeah so actually uh, two so i'm the youngest of four uh, my two older sisters are both uh both nurses and they actually went and like one is like a discharge coordinator the one other one went back at her master's and then she does like like healthcare informatics, kind of like IT healthcare stuff, which, which is real cool. So, behind the scenes, behind the yeah, scenes, yeah, behind work. the scenes kind of stuff. So I think when I was a kid growing up, you know, like they were my my oldest sister, Tani. She's like she's like seven years older than me, and then my um, sister Heidi is six. So when I was a kid, you know, I was like you know like leafing through their nursing books, and like they'd be like, "Come watch ER with us in the living room." <laughs> so like I think there's that exposure to it early on. Um, and then, yeah, you know, I, th- I think it's, it's one of those things kind of going into it. And, um, yeah, I think, I think I kind of, I kind of like knew like probably somewhere in high school that I wanted to pursue something as like a health profession. That's, that's pretty early on to know before. Yeah, college. A lot of times, yeah, a lot of times it takes, you know, like right up until the end or right up to, right up until like somewhere in the middle of undergrad or, or even later some people get their bachelors come back do something else do a different career and then come back and and then completely change gears to medicine yeah it's been interesting talking to people kind of on this podcast uh, platform on all the journeys into medicine i thought you know i thought everyone kind of just got into it the same way you know you you get exposed at a young age and then you have this calling to serve people sure. and that's how that's how you go in but I've uh, I've talked with people where they um, on a whim completed undergrad and then all of a sudden was like, you know what, this, uh, you know, they were working in a hospital and right. they interacted with some doctors and they're like, these guys are pretty cool. Maybe I should go to medical right. school. And then they <laughs> right, go in exactly. that way. I knew I knew at a young age. I knew at like, yeah. um, I had my first memory of gravitating towards the field. I remember like vividly in first grade. Yeah. Oh, wow. I mean, That's I mean, super, yeah, super early. Yeah. Super early. I have a yeah. younger brother that I um, remember I was like doing an auscultation exam with like a toy medical, <laughs> um, like medical uh, stethoscope. Right. And and then ended up like in eighth grade or in seventh grade, I ended up breaking my knuckle playing four square at, at recess and <laughs> went into the ER. I was so scared. And the, the ER doc just came in. It was like, so chill. He's like, Hey man, like your hand's broken, but your life's not over. So you're good. To go. <laughs> That's so I was like, all right, I want to be that guy. I want to like, be, be that hippie like, doctor in the ER. That was yeah, super nice. To exactly. Like <laughs> probably wasn't a hippie. It's probably just like a very straight shooter and super calm, just, but <laughs> <laughs> right. he's probably like, man, I just, uh, I just triaged like three stemmies and like, uh, right. Like the kid fracture, with the, hand, the kid like, with the broken we'll, we'll hand. I got him. Let's go. Let's go. Put yeah, my name on. <laughs> right. I'll take that one. I'll take that one. Oh man. Did you, uh, did you and and it, I was so crushed because it was during basketball season and I, I couldn't play the rest of basketball. Oh, gee, oh yeah, for sure. Oh. <laughs> That's but, the worst. 
the worst. Did you play any <laughs> sports growing up? Yeah, actually, I played basketball up until like eighth grade. And then I actually played football from like fourth grade um, into high school. Until like, I think like 10th grade. Yeah, 10th grade high school. So I played high school football. Then I like kind of like had a minor knee thing going on. And I'm like, yeah, it's kind of time. Um, you know, I, I think I had had my fill of, I really enjoyed it. Like football was a lot of fun. Basketball was a lot of fun. I just wasn't good enough to like take it in high school <laughs> or yeah. tall enough or any of that, you know? Um, so I, yeah, I think if I, if I would have been able to, I definitely would have taken basketball a little bit further, like into high school at least, but, uh, but we had a, we had a pretty competitive, uh, team, <laughs> but I think that was really a good thing too. I think, um, you know, I think like with sports and, and medicine, not sports medicine, but sports and medicine separately. I think they go together really well. I like, I knew it's one of those things where when you're doing sports, you're meeting all kinds of different people, interacting with all kinds of different people. And I knew, like I knew growing up, like I really enjoy meeting people. I enjoy hearing their story and, you know, following them through time. And, and, and I knew I love science, like always, always love science growing up. And so I think like when it came together in high, like my moment in high school was kind of like, okay, I really enjoy meeting people, you know, I care about people. And, and also it's just, I love the science of it and coming together. I knew I wanted to do something with, with like being a health professional. And I knew like I wanted to be a physician, wanted to be a doctor at that point. And it's funny how things change though, you know, cause I'm thinking, okay, freshman year of high school, I want to be a doc. One year before that, I'm like aging myself terribly enough. One year before that, Jurassic Park came out, and I had wanted to be a genetic engineer and make dinosaurs, of course. But <laughs> of course, of course, of course. <laughs> Obviously. I mean, I mean, I was like, every, right, every kid that saw that movie in eighth grade wanted to see that. But, um, but it, was, it was just funny how things changed, though. Through high school, I wanted to, you know, be a doc. And then in freshman year of college, still wanted to. And then, like, as I went into college, I started to sway, not, not away from, like, health professions as a whole. But away from maybe just medicine, I thought maybe maybe optometry, maybe dentistry, maybe podiatry. And I, I think I wanted to be a lawyer for like three hours, and I realized no, don't want to do that. Um, but then I kept on like, then I realized I'm like, I keep going back to medicine, I keep going back to it, and yeah, I just did some like volunteer stuff in the hospital, um, in uh, like transport those patient transport those kind of things. And I was like, you know, I I think I think medicine's the way to go, and and I you know, and that was it. So. And then you <laughs> apply for medical school. Spied for medical school. Um, Do you get uh, in like yeah. first time, easy peasy, slide was, right in? It was in. funny because because like I was out, um, so originally from Michigan and then actually moved, I was 18, I moved from like Grand Rapids, Michigan to Seattle. So I actually went to University of Washington and I didn't know anyone. It was actually a great experience. I, didn't, I knew no one for like 2000 miles. I just remember like parents flying away when they dropped me off to college. And I, I just had this like moment of like, this is, a, I was like so excited and also a little nervous. And I'm like, I don't know anyone for like 2,500 miles. And that's kind of, that was a good thing as far as this problem solving, like, you know, on your own, um, just being independent. But I think, yeah, I think you just kind of keep coming back to medicine. And that's, that's kind of when I knew that was what to do. Um, I applied to several different med schools, all the DO schools. And it was funny because all my friends were like, like at that point in Washington, there wasn't a DO school. So everyone's like, what's a DO? <laughs> And coming from the Midwest, from Michigan, it's like, I mean, when I thought of a doctor, I thought of a DO. My family doc was always a DO. Growing up in Michigan, be a big DO state. And so, um, so I was applying to only DO schools. And yeah, I, I, I applied to, I like had interviews in Chicago, uh, the school in Pomona, um, Western University, right, I think. And then, um, and then also in Arizona. So both the Midwesterns and then, um, and then also the, uh, the one in Pomona. And then I got into Pomona and then I got into Arizona and then my last interview was Chicago. And it was funny because during the California interview, 
like, have you ever been in an interview where someone's like, they like your answer, you can tell, they smile, they have good eye contact? Well, that happened in Arizona, and then it also happened in California. In, in Chicago, it was one of these things where it was like they were just stone cold. And I was like, oh, they don't like me. I'm never going to get in. So I had already like put a deposit down for Arizona. And then Chicago like sends you the letter saying you got in. I'm like, oh, okay, well, let's transfer it over. So, so yeah, I ended up going to CCOM in Chicago. And um, yeah, it was, it was overall, overall a good experience. I mean, you know, med school is tough to begin with, but... <laughs> yeah, it's. I mean, it's it's an experience that I probably wouldn't willingly uh, go back and do if if right. I had a choice. You know, right? Yeah. Yep. Yep. That's a that's a good question. Actually, like, what is you there again? Oh, go ahead. Oh yeah, like you like that's always one of those questions. Like, would you do it again? And it's like, and I like to say, like, I there's a reason you only have to do it one time. Right. Is is there a DO school in Yakima? Yeah, there is actually one of my good friends who couldn't get into, um, yeah, she was having a hard time getting in. And then it was, she was actually in the inaugural class in Yakima. That, but that started after you applied? That was like, yeah, that was like literally, I think two years later. Gotcha. So, yeah, she, yeah, that was like two years after, I think. So you're going through, you're in Chicago, you're probably yeah. paying a crazy amount in rent. Probably not right. making zero dollars <laughs> living on student loans. And um, did you did you have any specific times that stuck out in, in medical school that were particularly hard for you? I think one thing is a lot of people knew exactly what they wanted to do right then. Like like they like from day one, anatomy lab, day one of class, they knew like, oh, I want to be this, I want to do this. And they just went with their path. They had their path and they just ran their path. And I was like, you know, I'm open to it. I thought, oh, I want to do like surgery. Um, my undergrad was in like neuroscience, like neuro neurobiology. So I thought, oh, maybe neurology or even like neurosurgery. And then day one in cadaver, I'm like, nope, not doing surgery. Like just because it wasn't like I wasn't like grossed out by it. It was more like I'm just like not that great with my hands, like overall. So I'm like surgery is kind of out. My de dexterity is like my fine motor skills aren't like the best in the world. There are better people for that, which is good. Um, but so I think finding the path and. Why I used rotations a lot, clinical rotations to not only rule things in, but rule things out. Like, oh, like I definitely know this is a good experience, but probably not that. And at the end of the day, like I think maybe halfway through third year, I was like, okay, family med or psychiatry. And those are very, very different, of course. And so I actually, you know, decided, okay, I really, you know, I really like psych, um, had some you know, undergrad experience with that. And so I actually, I actually started, I actually did two years of a psychiatry residency, a brand new residency in Corvallis, Oregon, moved from Chicago to Corvallis, um, did two years. And one day kind of woke up and I'm like, I just don't see myself doing this in five years. You know? Wow. I mean, I still enjoy psychiatry I and mean, you get plenty of it in family medicine, learned a lot, which is great. I feel more probably comfortable than, you know, like the average family doc, maybe uh, like seeing mental health, um, patients and and treating them but uh yeah it, it was kind of fun so not fun actually because it's really tough to like just leave a residency and go and so that was definitely kind of a low point where i'm like i i just felt like i was on this train going to nowhere you know in my mind i'm like if i take this the whole way what am i going to do i'm just going to be a psychiatrist maybe not be happy with my practice and my career or am i just going to say okay i just got to bite the bullet meet with my program director and say here's what's going on um and I did. And they said, you know, that's, it's tough. It's really tough to like leave and then go somewhere else and, and start again. That's exactly what I did. So after two years out there, halfway through, I left Corvallis, Oregon, moved back to Chicago. 
And then it's kind of this like worked for a year, um, which was weird, just weird, you know, just working, you know, like I worked with one of my buddies, went to this, worked in the hospital a little bit, and then got back in the match for family med and then redid three years of family med residency. So I had, so I was an intern twice, which I would not recommend to anyone. (laughs) I I did not, I did not know that about you and that I just have so much more respect now for you. And it, and it takes so much courage to, to do those course corrects because I would imagine that there were people within your psychiatry residency class that were like, Hey man, just like, it's only two more years. Just stick it out. Yeah, just yeah, stick it out. Come on, man. Like absolutely. you'll be, you'll be a board certified psychiatrist. You could probably right. go moonlight places. Just, just stick it out. Like keep right. going. But it sounds like you probably actually grew through making that decision on saying, you know what, I'm not happy here. Right. I, I need, I need something else. And right. how, how long into this, the first residency, the psych residency, did you go? So you're there for two years. How long yep. were you there until you started having those thoughts where you're like, Ooh, this is not right for me. Honestly, I think halfway through the first year, I think oh, the first wow. six months, so yeah, the first six months of like the intern year, you're doing, you know, doing some internal medicine, doing some ER, some neurology, but you know, a lot of inpatient psych too. It's like half inpatient psych. And so they split it up. So you're doing like some, so like half of the first year is psych, half of the first year is just not so all, everything else. Um, and I think like during like yeah, halfway through the first, I, I think for the first few months, I was like, this is going to be difficult because it's intern year and everyone kind of feels like, oh, this is really tough. And you know, maybe, maybe I, at first I was like, oh, maybe it's just, I don't like this because it's just tough and the hours are long. Um, this is actually pre, this was the year pre night float. So there was no night float at this time. So, <laughs> so the hours were like, they're always crazy, but they were, they were pretty crazy. And it was also a brand new program. We were the first class. So there was no senior resident. It was like the interns and the attendings, which is an interesting dynamic, uh, like seeing it from both aspects. But I think, yeah, so I, for a good year and a half before I left, I actually was like, questioning it and um yeah i mean it caused it's funny because i'm not an anxious or depressed person and it really did cause depression in me but it definitely caused my own anxiety and like i'm like and that's what i knew like like i'm not an anxious person why am i feeling down like something's not right you know and um i'm baseline happy so i was like something is not right in this and i knew i had to change something so did you have a mentor that was like trivial in in your pursuit of changing or did you have someone that was like a a cheerleader on the sideline that helped you out or or was all you no it's pretty much just me and it was it it was in um it was interesting because I was in a relationship at the time that was kind of like just I just knew it wasn't going to be that wasn't like the forever relationship so it was also like kind of knew that was kind of winding down too so it was like multiple things happening at once um, and then once I came back to Chicago, took that year, got back in the match, re-interviewed, rematched, um, then life started to like fall into place again. So <laughs> looking back, so that was probably, you know, five, 10 years ago, looking back, do you think that experience was a net positive one, like a learning experience for you? Or do you see, I always, when we're on these the reason why I'm asking this question is when we're on these long trails, you know, there's so many things, there's so many things that can happen that can throw you off of, of your course. And 
you don't realize why those things happened until you look back like five or 10 years later and you're like, oh, oh man, I I was going down the wrong path with this. Yep. I, if I continued going down that way, X, Y, and Z may have happened. So I'm really happy that even though this was a really big catastrophic thing that happened to me, um, I'm really glad that I'm now going towards like A, B, and C. Absolutely. And I, I totally agree with that. Like it's, you know, a, it's not A and B, it's just this huge journey. And by the time you get to B, it's usually a different B. It's like B prime. It's like a different B than you even came up with in the first place. And sometimes even better than it was. Uh, but yeah, I think it was, it was overall at the time, it didn't feel like any kind of a good experience at all. Cause it was just like, so much was up in the air. Like, will I even get another program? Like, am I done in medicine? Will anyone ever even like, you know, this person left residency, it's a spot, there's a psychiatrist who could have been out there and they're not because of me and, you know, all this stuff. And um, so there was that, but then after things kind of settled back in, once I restarted family medicine or started family medicine uh, residency in Chicago, then, then it was like, okay, especially even late, even later, I would say it became more of a positive thing later on because uh, actually what was nice actually starting intern year for the, for being like, experienced, I guess, like was what that was nice. Cause I feel like going to morning report your first night on call and you're just like, okay, this patient, you know, you're just rattling stuff off and they're like, okay, this person's done this before. And then, you know, the other, the other interns are like quivering, like, <laughs> of course, like that was me. Them down. Quiver. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, that was me the first time. Yeah. So, but yeah, it was, I think a net positive and it, I think it, you know, like, I think when you hit a low, um, and you have to dig yourself out of it. I think I think it makes you a stronger person for it. So overall, a good ex- overall, not a good experience. But overall, like a very uh, building, like personal, personally building experience. Yeah, and and you got back to Chicago. You know the home the home base. Which yeah, is nice too. yeah, exactly. Which is good. <laughs> Did you um, the the thing I am very interested in talking to you about is essentially how we met and yeah. <laughs> um, and your journey into medical school and where you've gone so far is very, very impressive. But even more, what you do outside of medicine is, <laughs> is continues to be, to be impressive. But um, we, so the story on how Matt and I met, we were, um, we, we were in Chicago. No there surprise. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and um, we were in the Chicago 1550 ultra marathon. Yep. We were deep, deep into uh, this. It was a 6.25, six and a quarter mile out and back. And you, you did that. You went out and back four times. And I think on the, we met around mile like 40 or so like yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. So like, we're like deep in the pain cave already. <laughs> we were deep in the pain cave. Yeah. And we, um, I can remember like we were going out and turning around. Haley was uh, coming in and we were making the turnaround to do our last thing. And, you know, we both looked at each other and we were just like, dang, man. Gotta do this. We're hurting. <laughs> yeah, this sucks. I was like, oh my gosh, oh, my man. legs hurt so bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, uh, this is crazy. What are we because, doing? Because um, the the whole reason why I did that race was because it was Zion, right? It, it was the Zion. qualification yeah. for Zion. Yeah, because yeah, I was Absolutely. planning on doing the hundred miler. So, you know, I didn't unfortunately for you know, talking about painful experiences and learning, 
I wasn't able to really train that hard for this 50 mile race. Sure. And I had never before this done a marathon or anything even close that to that. W- that was one thing that was like, it, uh, like really impressed me by like, we were kind of talking and you know, every, runners are always like, Oh, what have you done? What are you like, you know, what are you doing? What's next? You know, that's like kind of like a good place to start with someone you're meeting when you're running and, and you're painful and trying to get your mind off the your terrible, like pain in your legs. So I was just so impressed. I'm like, wait, you haven't, like, you have never done a half marathon. You've never done a marathon and now you're doing 50 miles. I'm like, holy cow. You know, I'm like, that is not typical. And I'm like, wait, why are you doing this 50 miler? You're doing a 50 miler so you can do a really difficult 100 miler. So this is a qualifier. So you're basically going from no racing to like 100 miler with like one step in between. That was the goal. Like, that's that was extreme. The goal. That's extreme. But, like, that's, you did it though. You, you did I did it. it, which is which is even crazier. Um, but to uh, it, spoiler alert, we did both finish the uh, Chicago. Yes, uh, yeah, I think you were like yep. twenty or thirty minutes ahead of me. And uh, technically, it was te- funny. Technically, I early started because I was worried I was going to make the time cut off. So, oh. um, so I actually early started by half an hour. So we w- finished at the same time. We finished at the same time. Finished at the same the time. Record. There you go. <laughs> it, but that wasn't your first race, right? That was not my, that was my first 50. That was my first 50 miler. Um, actually, I love that Lakefront Ultras. They do too. Actually, they have one tomorrow. They have a 50K put on by the same people. It's on the south side. And so they do two a year. Um, so I, that was, um, I do the 50K. So, it's, you know, 31 miles. But I've done the, I've done the 50K like five or six times. And then I'd run, you know, a handful of full marathons, like a bunch of full marathons and, and a bunch of halves but I'd never done the 50 miler. And I actually, it's funny during the 50 K several times, I would see how destroyed the 50 milers were going by me. And I'm like, I'll never do the 50 miler. Of course that never works out. <laughs> it gets, it gets the best of you. When did you, so you, you said in high school, you played football, but then um, had a knee injury. When did yep. you end up switching into long distance running and essentially yeah. ultra running? Absolutely. So with running, it basically just be, I'd start off as just a treadmill runner in the gym, uh, just to blow off steam from med school, honestly, like it would be like, you know, that was just a great way to like decompress. I think I started like second, third, second, yeah, second year of med school, I would start running the treadmill three, four, five, six miles of my longest. And I would just do that, you know, continuously during the week, three, four, five times. And I would just feel so good. I mean, they talk about the runner's high. I definitely get that for sure. And then um, when I was in, out in Oregon, I was like, that, and then the stress of that like, would push me a little bit. I'd go out for some runs, and I'd be like, okay, I'm going to hit nine miles, 10 miles. But I never really did like a half or any organized race until I came back to Chicago. Once I started family med residency here, then I signed up for my first half. And then, and then after that, did my first full, which was uh, up in Vancouver, actually Vancouver, B.C., um, really hilly, don't not a good first half for training in Chicago. I bet you Oregon I kinda, is hilly too, right? Oregon's super hilly. And it's funny because being a Chicago guy, I would just look for like the flattest possible course and just go for that. So I did I did a few marathons. And then in 2014, um, I, I, I was like, oh, I just run the Chicago marathon. And I'm like, oh, wait, there's three weeks later, there's this lakefront thing. I'm, I, I'm like, that's only 4.8 miles longer. How hard can that be? And and you feel it though. You feel it. So I did, that was my first like ultra, but it took me, it took me seven years to go from 50 K's up to 50 miles. Like I think in my mind, I'm just like, nope, that's, that's the ceiling. That's the limit, but it's not the limit. And it's funny because we can go a lot further than we think we can. Lot we can further. go a lot, <laughs> lot further. Which is kind of scary. <laughs> did scary you, if you think about it. Oh, it's wild. It's great. Yeah. Did you, yeah. um, 
what's one of the craziest stories in one of your races that you've uh, that sticks out to you? Yeah, absolutely. Great question. So I would say, so I did my first, like you did Zion, right? And then I did it last November. So this would have been four, like five, five months ago, basically. In Southern Illinois, there's something called the Tunnel Hill 100. So I, I attempted a hundred miler. I did finish. Um, there was a 30 hour cutoff. It was super, super flat. So there was like no hills. It was just like this crushed path. It was like, you didn't even have to worry about tripping. It was kind of nice. No elevation. Um, or minimal there was no elevation. Eleva- minimal, like minimal. The- like the whole, the whole race would have been like a gain of like 1000. Like it was there okay. and it was very gradual, anything. So almost no hills. Um, and so the best part of that was the furthest I'd gone was I DNF'd a hundred milers. So did not finish a hundred miler in Michigan. Um, I got to mile 66 and it was like a loop, six loops. And I timed out. I just didn't make the cutoff. And they're like, they were nice enough. They're say we got a hundred K race going on at the same time. We'll list you as a hundred K finisher. I'm like, all right, well, consolation prize race. So then this one was super not hilly. And I'm like, okay, here we go. So it's just great. Cause you start at, you know, seven in the morning and then you're going all day long. And now you go, now it's getting in the nighttime you, and it's just you and your headlamp. And that's all you see is that one tunnel of light for like hours and hours and hours. And your brain just adapts to that one tunnel of light. That's, that's your reality for so many hours, especially in November when it gets dark early, stays dark. So for 12 hours in the darkness, and then all of a sudden 24 hours hits. And now, now it's like, I might mile, you know, like seventies or eighties, something like that. And now like, and now the light starts to come up and I turn my head headlamp off. And it gives you this great energy, but also your visual, just your visual reality changes to a point where you're super tired. Um, you're used to the tunnel of light. And now it's just like this, this little bit of ambient light comes up. And that's when I started having not, yeah, I guess kind of hallucinations. So visual distortions. So I would be running and the whole, tra- it was like, oh, it's a nice wide trail. And then, that, and then everything else is woods on the side. And so I'd be looking and it would be like, oh, wow, there's like a rusted out truck in the woods. And then I'd run up, the truck would come closer to me. And then I would just realize, oh, no, it's just that's that's a tree or that's like some branches. And the the most the craziest thing was I saw like a um, like a British soldier from like the 17th century, you know, like and he was just like standing like in the trees. And then as it came up, he was just became just, oh, he, he was just this tree that looked a little bit more red than the other tree. But it's oh, funny he, how when he didn't become ahead. he didn't become Mel Gibson and uh, he did not. Patriot, <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah, exactly. Gabriel. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but oh, it's just man. funny. Like, I mean, at least I was in a mindset where I knew I, I okay, this is just I know this is fake. I know this is my mind. It hasn't dreamed, and you're pushing yourself to the limit. So that's it's your body's way of um, of compensating for it. You know, just making making stuff up, basically. Do you? Th- so I, I had that exact same spirit experience yeah. um, happened to me. Do you think we were hyponatremic? Yeah, that's an interesting question. So, that's what I thought. Maybe. Yeah, I think I think it really. De- I think it really depends how much you because I would assume Zion's pretty is pretty warm. There's probably a lot of different climates with Zion, right? It gets really hot, gets cold at night, kind of thing. Yeah. So that's definitely a possibility. You're probably sweating more than you think. Um, you know, you're taking a lot of fluids. You might not be taking in enough. So wasn't taking salt. enough salt for sure. Uh, okay. Jeez. Yeah. That can do it too. Yeah. Lack of sleep, hyponatremia, exertion, trifecta, hallucination. <laughs> <laughs> British shoulder. <laughs> British shoulder. Totally oh normal. my God. Did you have yeah, a, yeah. did you have a pacer with you though? After like mile six fifty or so? 
You know, I could have, and I actually did it. Um, it's funny. I did it. What's called screwed. So I did it screwed as, and I had no pacer and uh, no crew. I dropped bags. Um, I actually have a running coach. So he was actually on the line. He's the, he's actually the race director of the San Francisco ultra marathon. A few months before that, I, I went to San Francisco in ju last July and I met him as the race director. So it's during the San Francisco marathon. So what you do is you come in is about 60 people that were signed up for it. They rent out like a hotel, um, like campus room. You put your stuff all there and then you go to the start line and then you run a reverse San Francisco marathon overnight. So at 11 o'clock, you get your headlamp on, you run, you, you and the other people, you run a reverse. Whenever you finish, you go back to the conference room. Then they have like breakfast, you stretch, do whatever you need to do. And then at 6.30 in the morning, you line up and you run the San Francisco marathon with the 25,000 other people. Um, so he was the race director for that. So he, 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 would, he was really cool. He's made like Facebook group and he would keep in contact with you. Be like, hey, Matt, good job. Like, looks like your splits between marathon one, two weren't that, you know, worth this. And we got along with just during like the whole process and packet pickup and everything. And then um, he was like, he was like, what's next for you? And I was like, oh, I'm doing this thing called Tunnel Hill 100 in like three, four months. Um, and he was like, oh, like, what's your plan for this and this? And how, what's your gear plan and all this stuff? And I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. Like, this is like total foreign language. So he was giving me tips and I'm like, um, I saw on his profile, he's like certified ultra running coach. And, um, and, and I'm like, Hey, would you, would you coach me? And he's like, yeah, absolutely. So he's been my coach since then. And he was pivotal. Like it's, it's just so much there. Like, like I felt like I go, went into that race in tunnel hill, knowing like what to do as far as hydration, nutrition, drop bags, like equipment I would need problem solve problem solving is huge. And like just the mindset, just realizing that you can go further than you think you can. And, and the aching and pain um, is it doesn't end a race. You know, it's it's when you mentally quit. That's that's it's usually the mental that quits before the body, unless you have an injury, of course. But it's usually that. And he, he, so he was saying, you know, that was kind of the biggest thing. So you yeah. typically have some type of injury that happens in a hundred miler. Yeah, whether oh, it's yeah, sure. whether it's blisters, <laughs> whether it's chafing, yep. whether it's uh, I mean like stress fractures there there is an injury that will happen yeah, there, there is but that yeah. makes you stronger too and so the the tunnel hill 100 was in illinois you said right yeah the i forgot the name of the other one but it was in michigan the yeah what was it called that's actually that's a funny name it's called the hallucination 100 so very fitting very yeah, fitting yeah, absolutely <laughs> did you learn and and you did not have a running uh, a coach for the hallucination 100 i did for that one it would, but it was like i'd been with him for like a month like, oh, okay like for that so that was just like well let's throw something together see if it sticks and uh but yeah i learned a lot from it you know then that at the time that was my longest run ever so what was the what was your main takeaway cuz getting a getting a dnf sucks like you you're like oh yeah you, oh yeah you, you, you put all the yep. <laughs> just getting it on the day um probably it hurts but i don't think people understand you you put like six to, to 12 months into training yes. for this and that's yes. all you think about for day <laughs> in day out and yep. then you 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 train so hard and you know sometimes it's just not your day sometimes you know very common to have an upset stomach when you're trying to pound food in you and, and yep. all of your blood is diverting to other muscles <laughs> right. in your body that the last right. thing your brain is, is thinking about is to shuttle some, some blood to, uh, to the stomach to, to be able to digest. And 
Um, you know, you it's it's really easy not to get the nutrition right. It's really easy not to get the pacing right. It's really easy to come out yep. too fast. That's and, huge. And yes. and absolutely burn yourself up. And um I I I remember it's it's kind of crazy um how I you were telling the story about mine, um, about going from the 50 just to straight to the hundred, but when I was training for all of these, I was coming out at like eight minute pace, 745 pace. And I was like running that at distance, you know, right. 10, 15, 20 miles. And it wasn't until I did a 20 mile run with one, my cousins, um, who were going to be pacers for me. And mm -hmm. after, after these like training runs that I was doing on my own, I was absolutely wrecked, but I was like, you know what, right. I, you know, that felt decent, whatever. I'm doing okay, you know. <laughs> yeah. Like my glutes, right. my glutes were destroyed, hamstrings were destroyed, calves, right. soleus, gastroc, they were just <laughs> on fire. Right. So right. ended up going and their pace was more of like an eleven thirty pace. And yeah. I finished the 20 mile run. And I was like, whoa. I oh, great. Feel terrible. This is, this <laughs> yeah, is amazing. Like, yeah. So, yeah. but I don't think if I would have done that uh training run with them just to get warmed up, that I would have known to like slow my pace down. Yeah, because... and that's one thing. I mean, if you had gone out for Zion at seven thirty eight, even nine minute pace, even oh. ten maybe, like you would have. I mean, you would have bonked. You know, yeah. at some point, you know, you would have. And it, it really comes that. And it's funny how you mentioned like, oh, they went out eleven thirty pace, and then you did your twenty, and you're like, that wasn't that wasn't that bad, you know? And yeah, it, it really is. It's it really is. Um, yeah, you need to keep. It's one of those things where when you go out fast, it's just like you have you have X amount of fuel in your tank. And then what happens is if you burn that and it just, it is gone, it's really hard to get it back without sleep or without like rest or something like that. But if you're like got a nice slow burn, nice, you know, 11, 12 minute pace and you're taking in food and you're not overheating, you know, then you're, you're going to like, you're going to keep your tank like at least somewhat full and your tank doesn't have to be full. I mean, near the end, it's going to be depleted. But you just you just can't let it go to E because once it goes to E, that's like it's game over. It's like you're playing a video game. It's like you know you can still get like a, a you know Mario mushroom and get a little power back. But once you're once you're dead, you're you're done. Like you're once cooked. you're E, you're you're cooked. And that's it. So it's really like learning that slow burn. And um, that's funny that you mentioned that about the eleven being like like doable. I heard a I heard recently on a podcast. Um, there's uh, an ultra runner slash hunter slash lifter cam haynes i don't know if you know him or not i've heard the name yeah but he, he's an organ boy so that's oh there you go he's an organ boy and um he was interviewing his brother and, and they said you know if you don't feel good in an ultra marathon just give it an hour you'll probably feel better <laughs> that, that's, that's so true it's so and, true. and the opposite if you if you're feeling good during an ultra just give it time you'll feel like crap eventually. you'll feel like crap very so it, and it goes and i think that's one thing about marathoning versus half and marathons versus ultra running it, it they're they're i mean they're the same sport but they are in a way two different sports um you know i think that's one thing that drew me to the ultra community and ultra running um, is just the challenge of it and going through, and they, there's like that thing where everyone says when you, um, a hundred miler, it's like life in a day. And you know, that's been said, and it really is. You go through like these, you know, you have all this hope you go through it, you start off, you feel good. You go through ups and downs and you got to push through a lot of stuff, all this adversity. 
and then and then you you get through it and then you then you get another low and then you have to figure out what problem solve mental problem solve why do i feel this way what can i do is it food is it this is it just my mind right now am i just tired what do i need how can i get through this and sometimes you try to try, problem solve everything and nothing works and you're just like i'm going to walk for like an like 2 miles and then at the end of the 2 miles you're like i feel better now and then you start running again it's the, these ups and downs are so weird and then at the and then eventually you get to a point where you get to mile like 80 or 90 and then you're like okay got plenty of time and i know i'm going to finish like barring catastrophe i know i'm going to finish and then you finish and then like life's super happy and everyone's and it's like amazing again right so it is kind of like life in a day and uh it's just different than running a half or a full and also just in the ultra community the people you meet you know like if i had met you running a marathon we wouldn't be on a you know we wouldn't be on a podcast right now we would you know, not the no. ultra the ultra community is so supportive it's not nearly it's, it's not even competitive unless you're um competing at like the highest level um everyone wants everyone else to finish and have that life experience you know which which is great so i think that's that's one of those things so it's, it's cool that we both are you thinking about doing more ultras absolutely yeah oh awesome. I've, I've actually awesome. got one in like two or three weeks in whoa tell me about that it's in croatia what? it is uh it's uh i don't know if i'm pronouncing this right i think it's called istria it's the Istria Green Course, which is 69K. Um, I'm traveling over there, and my brother lives in Germany right now. And oh, we both have big, ambitious goals of putting in for the lottery for UTMB. UTMB. So, yeah, yeah, that's awesome. So <laughs> this is a UTMB World Series course, and it is a, um, it's a two-stone course yeah um got about seven thousand vertical feet but what'll be nice about it is uh, croatia is right on the ocean or the mediterranean mm -hmm. sea and sure. it at least will be sea level where whereas when i was in That's zion good. my base right. i think the lowest elevation i want i don't think i ever went under a mile in elevation i oh, think i was wow. always okay. above yeah. like 5500 feet and i and i think um <laughs> uh, I think that definitely had an impact on me in the for long sure, run. For sure, for sure. Yeah, so, no, absolutely. That would so, be yeah, great. We're, I, oh, we're UTMB. excited. That's we're, super cool. We're going to put in for the lottery and then just keep yeah. the, the really cool thing about it. Uh, for those who don't know about UTMB, UTMB is a race that I think it started in like 2000 and uh, early 2000s. I don't know the exact day. I think 2003. And it's essentially runs around the mountain the tallest mountain in europe which is mont blanc and through this race it's 170 kilometers which is like 106 miles you climb 30,000 feet and you go into three different countries you start in france you go to switzerland and you hit italy and it, it just the views of mm -hmm. of this race are extraordinary and over i think over two or four thousand people compete in it and you're just running you're just running along through all these little tiny villages in france and all these people are cheering you on and giving you high fives and and um it, it's like it's it's quoted to be one of the hardest ultra marathons i'm sure i'm, I'm sure there's harder ones out there um but it's it's 
it's like the Super Bowl. It's like the creme de la creme. Yeah. And uh, you know, it's it is one of the it is one of the hardest. You know, yeah. it's definitely like on you know if there's like a top or five or ten list, it's definitely it's definitely one of the hardest for sure. Probably the hardest hundred miler. Yeah. I think there's like the like there's harder like the bad water 135 i think that would oh, be yeah, that one sure. would be That's pretty like, tough in a different almost in a different way a different yeah, there's way, like exactly. there's a few that are like yeah there's that there's like hard rock is really crazy right i bet um, you um actually this is a great segue into one of your next races that you're sure. training for which also <laughs> i would i would put up i mean i would almost put it up there with the hardest race in north america uh, sure. going to central Colorado, uh, yeah. <laughs> in, in the Leadville, the Leadville 100. Yep. So Leadville 100. So that is, um, that's my like a race ultra for the, this year is, is Leadville 100. So yeah, it's, it's at, it's in Leadville, Colorado, it's own old mining town that kind of went bust in the eighties and to bring economy and life back to the, back to the town. Um, a few people got together and made the Leadville 100. So people will actually travel there. It's, it's the highest city in the United States. It's at over 10,000 feet. So the race is at 10,000 feet. I think it only the lowest point is like 9,800. So you're basically at 10,000 feet or higher the entire race. And so it's a 50 mile out and back. So it's a hundred miler. Um, you basically go out to this old mining town of Winfield and about on the way, you know, there's a few ascents that you go through, but there's this like one, killer ascent called hope pass where you basically go up this pass um it's like three thousand feet up you go back over and then back over it again so within from mile like 40 to mile 60 you're basically just going up this mountain down the mountain back up the mountain back down the mountain and that's really where the race is the race starts at mile 40 less than half the people finish the race so there's a higher than 50 percent dnf rate um because number one, it's hard. Number two, there's also no qualified. You can just sign up. You could say, this is my first race, which is kind of crazy. Um, there's a few different ways to get in. You can do it if, if you get a certain running coach, you can get in. You can do it through a lottery. Or um, how I did it, they have 50 spots where, where you can just like, if you buy the, the running camp, which they have six weeks before the race, there's like a weekend running, Leadville run camp. And then you buy the, your registration all together in one package. There's like 50 of those go on sale on like December 1st. And then I was just like, had three devices refreshing, you know, credit card numbers there ready to go. And then it's like live. And I just went, got it, boom, in my cart and then got it that way. Because I think it's kind of hard to get in through, through the lottery. But um, yeah, I'm super, super psyched about that one. Um, looking forward to like, it'll just be interesting to see. I mean, Chicago's at zero altitude. We're talking 10,000. I mean, the training camp, you basically go through the whole course in three days. So it'll be interesting to see how I do at altitude. I mean, we'll just have to see. I don't know. Like, there's a lot of unknowns. I, I really can't train for altitude. Altitude tents and beds are kind of extreme. The whole mask while you're working out thing, science isn't really behind it. Um, there's a few different things you can do. My, one of my friends who's, or what, one person I just know, kind of an acquaintance who's done it twice, is just says, just get as fit as you possibly can. You know, because you're just going to need that reserve during the race. You're going to hit lows. It's going to be tough, but but I'm excited. I mean, I'm super excited for it. Uh, one of the things I'm doing to prepare for as well is over Memorial Day weekend, I'm doing the Western States training camp um, for the second year in a row. Um, and that is open to anyone. You, um, Western States, if, if everyone doesn't know, it's almost, it's almost like if UTMB is, I would say Western States is like the Super Bowl and UTMB is like the World Cup because that's like the world race. Uh, I see, but, um, I see. 
but yeah, so Western States is like the oldest hundred in, in the country, tough to get into. But um, but yeah, we'll see how, what happens. I mean, being a flatlander training here, I don't know. <laughs> isn't there um, isn't there like a a triple crown or a a a, a golden bucket or or belt belt buckle or a silver silver belt buckle associated with the like Western States, Leadville, and one other one? If you do those There's, three. There's yeah, there's like a there's like a um there's a grand slam. They, grand they slam. Grand slam. I think it's four. I think it's it's Leadville, uh, Western States, uh, Wasatch. I think, and then Old Dominion. So gotcha. um, I think I think those are the four. Is Old um, Dominion the those, one in Arizona that you did? Old, I think yeah, Old Dominion. I think is in it's somewhere in the East Coast. I think it's Virginia or something like that. Okay. Uh, the one I did in Arizona was um, oh, that was the Black Canyon hundred K. Nice. So that well, was we could talk about yeah. we could talk about that in a second. I also have a hilarious story about when I was in Arizona. Yeah. But um, what is so your friend said get in shape as 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 good as you can. What what is that? Uh, what's your plan? Like how many how many months out are you from the Leadville one hundred and uh, what is your, are you going to go sure, for volume? Like are you going to, are you going to try and do some, incorporate some speed work into there? What's, what's your, uh, what's the plan? So about, yeah. So about, f- uh, like just so about five months out right now. Um, and then basically what I want to do is just, you know, overall do a lot of like cross training too. So do a little weight training, just work that in, try to make my legs stronger, try to get any kind of climbing in. I mean, even, even if it's just like doing, like the Jacob Slatter thing or doing stair stepper or just cranking up the treadmill as high as it'll go and just go and try to get any kind of um, simulated elevation gain in um, other training things. Yeah. Try and do a little bit of speed work. So I I'm, I'm like a, not a speed guy, but a speedy for me is like a t- like nine, nine minute miles. That's fast for me. 10 minute mile. That's, you know, that's good. I'm definitely an 11 minute mile kind of guy. Um, but at altitude, you know, 11 minute mile is going to feel like a nine minute mile. So, so we, you need to incorporate that. So that's the biggest thing really, you know, getting in a really uh, just clean eating diet. That's going to be the diet part of it's going to be good. Um, you know, also, um, doing some heat training. So, uh, the building I live actually has a steam room and sauna. Oh, um, man. and, and so like doing some heat training, not like a lot of exercise in it, just getting used to that heat environment. I did that for the Arizona race a little bit. and. And it does help in a way of just, um, it just kind of like, it puts your body under pressure. And I think anything that puts your body under pressure and your body gets used to it um, is just good for something that's going to be pretty extreme. I think the, um, I'm glad you mentioned uh, heat training. Saunas and steam rooms and ice baths are one of my uh, favorite things in the world. They, uh, <laughs> in in Europe, they have these all over the place. Um, and from the research, I wish they would have them more more here, but from the research that I've seen, incorporating extreme environments into your daily life, whether you're training in them or whether you're just, you know, sitting in a, a sauna that's 180 degrees, you know, for 10 right. or 15 minutes and then going to an ice bath for, you know, five minutes. What I learned is it trains the autonomic nervous system to be more efficient and essentially training the autonomic nervous system. You always hold a specific tension in your blood vessels. And if you think about uh, a pipe 
and um, uh, like a faucet. And a faucet is trying to to press against like a, a garden hose, if you would. And if you really twist that garden hose and you kind of kink it off, that faucet has to put a lot more pressure in order to to kind of get through that that tight spot. And how that relates to the body is if we're able to make these micro adjustments for it from a subconscious standpoint with our autonomic nervous system, then we can relieve a lot of those like tight sp spots and we can really vasodilate our vessels and essentially make our heart work so much more efficient, make it so much easier. So it's not pumping against so much, uh, so much resistance, which is pretty cool. Absolutely. That makes yeah, that definitely makes sense as far as that goes. Yeah. You know, it's funny. Cause when you ex try to explain like heat, the heat and the cold, like you do a nice bath and sauna to normal, like just a, just a, just a random person or a friend. Um, they're just like, that, that sounds like absolute torture, but you're like, no, actually like you almost grow to enjoy it in a sense. Like, I think it definitely, there's some kind of endorphin release that happens with it. So. Oh, there's massive endorphins. Big time. Yeah. Massive endorphins. <laughs> and the, um, the stress that you put on your body, you know, whether it's, you know, going into an ice bath for, for five minutes or, or doing these ultras that it doesn't only help your body, you know, from the autonomic standpoint, from the blood vessel standpoint, from efficiency standpoint in that way, but it also helps strengthen your mind too. So what I've noticed, and, and you might be able to chime in from this, what I've noticed is running these long distance races. What happens is you know, when I'm in my medical training, when someone's like, oh man, that's like so hard. You Or, or if someone's like, hey man, you got a late admit, man, that sucks. I was like, <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll take that. That's fine. Uh, I'm not going to be here until one in the morning. And at least I'm not running a hundred miles. Dude. <laughs> exactly. Yes, absolutely. Perspective. It really gives yep. a, it really, really gives a good perspective on life and What's your experience with um, oh, benefits outside of ultra racing? I think, yeah, just a stronger mind. You know, I think it's not just like a stronger body after doing a hundred or doing some of one of these crazy kind of things, but yes, no matter like the worst day, I think after doing the hundred also, like you probably get that thing where after you do a really long distance or an ultra, you just get that like glow that lasts, not just not like a day long. It's like almost like a several days to almost like a week where you're just like, have this like, uh, you know, um, like, nothing can really bother you but even long term there's that okay i can do really really hard things if i put my mind to it, i can do really really hard things and if i have a day at clinic where i'm like they just added on a ton of patients and double booked and all this i'm like so i'm seeing five or six more patients than i normally see in a day fine and you know that's that that's not that big of a deal um you know i'll get through the day the sun's gonna rise kind of situation but in that way i'm like you know yeah, it almost sounds funny. We we're like, I ran a hundred miles. I can, you know, I can do a little bit extra work. You know, that's that's nothing. That's nothing. <laughs> yeah, I definitely. After I recovered from my hundred miler, I definitely felt that I was um, kind of walking on clouds. It just felt it yeah. felt easy. It felt easier for sure. Absolutely, absolutely for sure. <laughs> um, what kind of uh, going back to? Sorry, going back to Leadville. We, yeah. so you're going to be training in heat. What kind of mileage are you going to be trying to get 
in a week? So in a week, I, my goal is to get up to uh, like 50 miles a week. So um, I would say that would be the overall goal with some cross training um, as well. But I would say 50 miles a week would be the biggest thing. And it's funny because people say, oh, you're running 100 miles. So do you just go out on the weekend and run like a 50 then? And you really don't. Um, like, I would say one thing I've noticed is what we'll do is we'll be have a weekend where it'll be like, okay, do you just do two long runs? So you might run 40 miles that weekend, but you do like, you know, one, one day is going to be like 22. The other day is like 18. I think the biggest thing is just the time on feet is really important getting out there. And then also that second day when it's like, okay, I ran 22 yesterday. I'm running 18 to make 40. That second day you go out there. Now you're running like, you know, three, four hours on tired legs. Cause it's like, okay, now I'm getting that experience of like, cause you're going to be, you know, in Leadville or in, in your race and things you have coming up where, you know, you're not going to feel great the whole time. The first 20 miles, 30 miles might feel really good, but then you're going to go through those times where you're, you're tired and your legs hurt. But if you're used to running on tired legs and you're used to plenty of time on feet, that's where you can kind of dig deep and kind of get, get that next, get that like extra gear that, that going from a marathon to like an ultra marathon gear. And just, you can just, you you can, you can kind of stick that in and then just, just keep it there for a while until, until you feel good again, hopefully. Oh, so good. Do you, is Leadville 100 your top or do you have goals after that? So actually in a few weeks, I'm running the Boston marathon, which has been a huge goal of mine. Um, my sister and I, so my older sister, who I mentioned, um, so my two A races for the, this year are Boston marathon in three weeks and then Leadville in like five months. So my sister and I embarked on, um, doing all the world majors. And so people don't know what the world major marathons are. There's six of them around the world. So there's Chicago. It's one of the world majors. There's New York city marathon, Boston, Berlin, uh, Tokyo and London. And so we've done all of them, but Boston. And so in three weeks, we'll finish Boston, um, you know, God willing. <laughs> and, and then what they do is, so it's put on by the medical company, Abbott is the, is the chief sponsor of it. And so it's called the Abbott World Majors. And so I think at this point, like just over 2000 Americans have finished it. So you get this big six star medal that has all the cities along with your normal Boston medal and like an official, like finish, fish, like a finisher certificate and everything but that's been a goal for a while we kind of started that journey like six seven years ago so it's been a good excuse to run and travel so as far as marathoning goes that's like my end-all be-all goal is finish boston in three weeks as far as ultras go leadville's definitely like on my wish list of ultras utmv is definitely on that list too um the western states the western states endurance run western states 100 is probably my like number one um that and utmv would probably be like number one leadville would probably be just under there as far as dream races. And then one other thing I really want to do in ultra is uh, something in South Africa called, called the comrades marathon. The 50 it's one of the, it's a really old ultras, probably the, one of the biggest ultras. There's about 20,000 people in it. It's a 55 mile uh, uh, foot race uh, in South Africa. That's kind of like really big, especially in, in Europe and locally there. But those would be my like top ones. Definitely for sure. South Africa, you said? Yeah, yeah. Like Jayberg or Pretoria? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, um, I think, yeah, I think it starts in Pretoria. It might go through Durban as well. So, but yeah, so that would, that would definitely be, be something as well. So. Dang. Do, um, <laughs> do, do people know you as the ultra doc or is that kind of, are they going to know now? <laughs> it's, it's one of those things where it's funny. Cause, um, you know, whenever I like go in a room and I see patients, they have like, you know, like, you know, like, oh, if they're wearing like, 
hokas or ons or you know a certain brand you're like oh that's a runner you can tell and then then they're like oh what do you do for exercise they're like oh i run and like you know you almost sort of be like uh, cancel my next patient if we got to talk about this right yeah. so but it, it is kind of no it, it is great though because people are always like oh what are you doing and then um the other weekend i was like oh like uh, oh yeah we're going out to san diego to visit some you know family they're like oh you're doing a race just people just assume now at work that if i'm traveling somewhere it's because i'm doing a race but that's definitely not the case so yeah, you do kind of get that reputation of like the crazy runner person or the ultra person. Um, but it's kind of, it's, it's funny because really just about anyone can do this if they really put in the time. And, you know, if they just have even a medium amount of fitness, if you put in the time and you really work at it and you increase your distance and want to, you can, you can do an ultra. And a lot of people think, like I'm not elite in any way, like a good marathon for me, five hours is if I'm under five hours in a marathon, that's like a good day for me. <laughs> so I'm not like, you know, it's one of those things where, um, you know, people think people just assume like, oh, you're on, you're fast because you've run all this stuff. Like, no, no, I'm an 11 minute mile guy. And that's what I do. And later on in the race, you're like a 15 or 17 minute guy. It just kind of depends. So. Yeah. And it's not about, it's not about really the, the cool thing about ultra marathoning is it's not about speed. It's about it's completing. It's just about completing exactly. the race. Like, yep. You could come in at five seconds before the cutoff time. You know, if the cutoff time is 13 hours yep. and you end at 12 hours, 59 minutes and 57 seconds, you did it, which is great. <laughs> exactly. Which is great. Yeah, absolutely. And, it, and it's the kind of community where like, like there will be people cheering you out, like people not only that are just, you know, spectating the race or family members, but there'll be racers who are completed that race three, four, five, six hours before that, that come back to the finish line to just cheer on some of the, like the very final finishers and like that golden hour, that last hour of the race. Can I ask you, actually, can I ask you a quick question? Just Absolutely. Done, Absolutely. So this guy's an Ironman and he's done a hundred miler what's what is physically harder what's mentally harder um as far as doing a full ironman versus a hundred mile ultra that's a good question um ultra without a doubt okay but what i will say is i had a lofty goal of uh i think it was a i think it was a 12 it was a sub sub 12 hour Ironman. That was my goal. Oh, wow. Yeah, sure. And so, and you, so I pushed hard. Right. And the, you know, I, I, I didn't have any experience in any of these. So I, I swam in high school, but this was an open water two and a half mile swim. So that's what I was most nervous for. So I trained the hardest sure. for that. Growing up, I, you know, part German, grew up, uh, you know, spending time in Germany, we cycled everywhere over there. Like my mom and I, we did multiple uh, cross-country treks. We went through Europe. We went through Northern Germany. We've done, you know, four or 500 mile bike rides together. Uh, so I wasn't nervous about the bike at all. Sure. And then the run, I just completed Zion. So I was like, oh man, <laughs> right. it's just so a like, marathon. I'm going. We're, we're <laughs> That's going. It's speed work, so, right? <laughs> so I'm training and I, I say to myself, in, in training, I say, okay, I can do the swim in an hour and a half in a pool. I can do that. And I don't feel too tired. So that's going to be my goal. 
I'm going to, I'm going to take my time on the swim. I'm really just going to use it as a warm up to get myself into this race. And then I'll, I'll hit the bike and I'll, I'll hammer a little bit. And then, um, hopefully I still have some juice and, and, and I'll really, really refuel on the bike. I'm going to eat as much as I can. I'm going to be pounding North of 300 calories at least per hour if I could. And then I, um, and then my plan for the run was I'm just gonna, whatever energy I have left, I'm going to push. So I ended up doing the swim and my 90 minute goal, um, we did it. We, I did Ironman Chattanooga and it's in a river and it has like this mini current that kind of is going behind you. So I'm, I'm going my pool pace and I get out of the water and I, I look over my watch and it said 54 minutes. Whoa. And I was like, Whoa, (laughs) what is going on here? I feel like I have flippers on. And, uh, and then also I didn't train using a wetsuit. So I think the buoyancy of the wetsuit plus the mini current really helped me propel through there. So I go into the, the first, uh, um, transition T1 and feeling really good. You know, I, I took a couple extra minutes because I, just finished almost 35 minutes before I thought I was going to finish. And I'm riding on, you know, I'm in, I'm in residency. I don't have very much money. I got like a $400, <laughs> um, uh, Scatante road bike. That's like all aluminum. So I'm, I'm, I'm rolling on this, uh, aluminum road bike. You know, it doesn't have any aero bars on it. Um, I accidentally, the first time I got it, I got it off like Facebook marketplace. I, um, I've done a lot of riding, but not much riding with clips on. So I'm, I'm riding out with my friend, uh, Stauffer and, uh, he, he just keeps cracking up. Cause like, I can't get my, my feet out of the clip. And I <laughs> ended up like tipping it over and like bending one of the, uh, the, uh, the, the handlebars, like where the Ram, the Ram's head goes down. So like I'm, I'm riding the a hundred and I think it was, it was, a, it was four extra miles. So like 116 mile course with like an uneven, uh, handlebar. Oh, and I was, I was flying, but the problem was, um, I would pass everyone on the uphills. Like that was in my immediate group, but then on the downhills, I, I, <laughs> I just have no, no aerodynamics or, or right. anything. I would just get passed like immediately. <laughs> so I came out of the bike my uh, perineum was absolutely torn up just sure, from sitting on the right. bike for so long. Um, but I came out and I think I had a little bit of patellar tendonitis kind of sinking in. And, um, but everything else structurally, like my hips felt good, my calves felt good, everything was still feeling good. So, so I was like, all right, let's hit this run. So I, I started running and, um, the back half of the course was really hilly and I didn't, I didn't know that. So you, you know, the, the front half of the course is it's a, it's a two loop course. So 13 miles, you loop it twice. And the front half of the course was, you know, scenic riverside or running along the Chattanooga river. And when you get to the back half of the course, it's like this two mile long uphill run. and training for the Ironman, I focused so hard on swimming and biking that I neglected the run because I was like, <laughs> well, of course I should neglect the run because 
you know, I, I, I've done a, an ultra before. So, but I think that was my mistake. I ended up, um, I ended up not doing as well on the marathon as I thought I would. So I, I think I gained like 45, I, the, the 30 minutes I lost on the <laughs> swim, I think I gained 45 yeah. back. And, um, so that was, but I, I got it done. I think I was under 13 hours, which was good. Didn't get quite 12, nice. but that's all right. And it's still really, really. Oh, really it, it was great. Yeah. Oh, it was yeah. great. And, um, and from, a from a pain standpoint, it, it didn't hurt as much as the ultra. Um, but I think it was good to do the ultra first because I had that perspective, you know, sure. I was like, this is a 13 mile, this is a 13 hour race. It's not going to be 35 hours. Like I did. Right. Uh, in right. Zion. So, <laughs> so, but it was, I would highly, highly advise doing an Ironman. Also such a good race. Um, very friendly, but not as friendly as, um, yeah. the ultra the ultra community, uh, but <laughs> everyone, cool. everyone there's always cheering you on. I, I think it's just because they're so focused on like completing it. So, yeah, I can see, I can see that for sure. And that's, it's that's still, I mean, still a race though. So. Oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah. More and more Ironman in the, in the, do you want to do more Ironman in the, in the future? I would love to go to Hawaii. It's very much a goal of mine. Uh, there's no way from a speed standpoint that I would qualify for it, but if I so happened to, land and do do the word the i think it's uh vinfast world championships in hawaii mm. that would be amazing that's awesome we yeah. on our honeymoon we actually went to uh we went to the big island we went to kona and we saw like where the start line was and the, the environment there oh man it would be absolutely a dream but yeah i would have to I think in order to qualify for it, you have to do like 14 Ironmen and then you can put your name into a lottery oh, to wow, choose okay. whether or not Holy you get God. it. So <laughs> I think I think with the Ironman, it was kind of a one, one and done. I yep. would do a half if someone was like, hey, Alex, like I'm I I'm I'm really interested in training uh for an Ironman. Like, do you want to train with me and do a half Ironman? I'd be like, I'm in. Let's go. Nice. Yeah. That, that makes yeah. total sense. One right. day, one day, Iron Man. One, one day. day. We'll it's, <laughs> it's, it's cool. It's definitely, it, it's cool to do. It, it's more oh, of a, sure. it's more of a show for sure than the ultras, but it's, it's, man, it's, it's, it was cool. Yeah. That sounds like an awesome experience. <laughs> yeah. It was, um, I do want to, I do want to hit you. I know, I don't want to keep you all night. I know we could probably talk all night about our uh, <laughs> hilarious stories. Um, I, I have been asking everyone this question about, um, uh, it's kind of my final question and then you, you can take it off. If, if another yeah. story comes up, we can talk about that too. So it doesn't sure. have to be the, the closing question, but I do ask, um, so learning from your past experiences in medicine to where you are now, what advice would you give? to someone who is looking to get into the field of medicine? That's an excellent, that's a really excellent question. And that's one of those things before I really went into it, I didn't really, I just kind of thought, oh, this is what I want to do, but I didn't take a 
step back and think of like the why, like, why do I want to do this? I would say to someone that's looking to get into medicine or looking to pursue a career in medicine or as a physician, um, to make sure that's what you really want to do. Um, I would say, I would say have some patient contact before you like, you know, definitely have some, some experience before you start, you know, prepping to take the MCAT and, you know, applying to med school and all that, whether it's volunteering at a hospital or a clinic or doing some kind of a hospital job where you have patient contact. Um, I think that that'll really tell you if it's what you really want to do. I think having that kind of experience, um, I think is really, cause I know different people get like, cause whenever, you know, when you apply to med school, you have, you know, you have your grades, you have your MCAT scores and then your interview, and then they'll, they'll look at like, what have you, what else have you done? And I think it's good to have a lot of different experiences, whether, you know, I, I, something that involves seeing patients, talking to patients. So I, I really feel at the end of the day, if you really enjoy meeting strangers, interacting with them, trying to assist them in some way, um, then, then it might be, then it, then, then it's the right field for you. You know, I think that that's a good thing. So definitely knowing, I think, yeah, I think, I think patient contact and enjoying that. Um, I think that that'll kind of steer you in the right direction. I would say that would be a big thing. And then once you're in it, start running ultras. There you go. Exactly. And then you're good to go. You're good to go. Oh my gosh. Well, Matt, it has been an absolute, an absolute pleasure talking to you. I, you as well, Alex. I cannot <laughs> wait to have you complete all six marathons of the world majors. That's going to be an amazing feat. I bet that's going to feel so good. Uh, finishing those. Can't wait for your Leadville story. I'm going to be following on Instagram. Yes. Um, every <laughs> step of the way. So don't worry. Um, I'll also put like your Instagram handle if you're okay with it. In, in oh, yeah. The, go for it. Show Absolutely notes do. Absolutely. So that uh, everyone else can can follow your story and your journey and um, and continue to uh, to amaze us every day. And also congratulations on so many fronts. Like also, um, you know, Congrats on, you know, the kiddo upcoming. That's amazing, yeah, right? Thank you. And thank also, you. Also, um, you know, congrats on matching into cardiology. That's an incredible field to be in. Yes. Um, and and good luck to you in Croatia. Get those get those UTMB stones. Get that get that ball rolling. We're gonna get to that some get to U- that start line in Shamini eventually, right? We're getting the UTMB nuggets one at a time. Yes. One at <laughs> the a time. Nuggets, I like it. <laughs> That's right. All righty. I'm gonna Thank you so much for joining us today on the More Than Medicine podcast. We hope you enjoyed this episode and we'll come back for more like it. If you would like to share your journey into medicine or know someone who has an interesting story, please email us at podcastmorethanmedicine at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Until next time.